What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Too Much Test Podcast. Welcome to episode nine. Um, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, we also have a YouTube channel where you can watch. If you're watching on YouTube, we're on all major podcast platforms. I'm joined here with Sam Stolt. Uh, you can find Sam on Instagram and YouTube with Sam Stolt. And I'm here with David Dimasquita. You can find him on Instagram, uh, dynamite underscore D, and search David Dimasquita on YouTube. So what's going on, guys? How are you guys doing on this fine evening? I'm doing I'm doing actually amazing. Just got back from New York uh, for a wedding. 48 hours of driving, Woo. 24 hours there. Yes. But I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad I'm home. I'm glad that's over with. That's awesome. But, that's a lot so of driving, I, though. On that second day, um, so we went to the wedding from the hotel. First thing in the morning, we leave. And I'm driving to my buddy's house in South Carolina because it's halfway, say, between New York and Florida, roughly. And I was like, hey, man, you know, where's your key? Because I'm going to crash this house when we get at 1.30 a.m. So we get there 1.30 a.m. We get go to the trunk. We get our stuff out. We're exhausted. We're also nasty because you get, like, slimy, I feel like, if you don't shower all day. We get to the door, and then I'm like, okay, let me grab the rock. He says, under this rock. Let me get the key. I get the key. She's waiting there on the porch. Get get up to the porch, and there's a screen door, and it's locked. And the key I have is for the door. So uh, we slept in the car for a couple hours, and then we fucking headed out. Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm recovering from surgery right now. <clears throat> so my voice has been cracking like I'm going through puberty with the last week. Um, good no. news is I'm off painkiller, so I'm sober right now. Nice. <laughs> which, which that was like a huge thing for me because I like, I tried two days in a row to come off painkillers. One of them I, ha- I had to take one in the morning, and then I made it through the whole day, and then I had to take out a night for both days. And now I'm like 100 percent like off everything. So um, there's still like another six pills that they're having me take. I think well, like one's a nerve block or something like that. But overall, man, I'm doing good, recovering well. I just got my stitches removed actually, so it feels really weird though. And I'm just going to give you guys some TMI, some like down low in case you guys ever get surgery on your core. It's it's always nice when you have something until you don't have something like being able to take a poop without having to hold your core and press it in. It's like you have to manipulate the position on the toilet so that you have you don't have to basically activate your core as much as you can. But then there's always have to be some type of like push from the core to move the intestines to a degree so you literally have to like take your hands on your abs where the incision was made well it's not like straight up and down but like you have stitches going up and down inside of me so like i had to take it and i'd like press it down and in and there's only like certain positions that move the intestines in the right way where i don't hurt myself so yeah that's uh that's pretty fucking interesting that's crazy and i just realized my room looks like i'm uh, in midnight here so let me throw on a light vest <laughs> hey, uh, test your levels. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. Doing good. Got a lot of stuff going on. I have building a pool, refinancing my house. Just got my roof redone. Um, going on two trips in the future. It's been crazy, man. I'm just waiting for like a break. <laughs> you know, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. <laughs> but you just got to power through. But I want to ask you guys. This is a random question. So, all-time favorite celebrity crush. Oh, what is this all time favorite, or is this like because I feel like it changes over time? Yeah, so how about okay, two you get two. I'll, I'll start with mine so you guys can think. So, from back yeah. in the day, um, I'd say for me, it was Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, I always thought she was really, really sexy. There was whatever the movie was where she was like flipping around in lasers and some leather suit. 
I don't remember what it was. And then I would say most recently uh, would be Sofia Vergara, um, Colombian girl from uh, whatever that show is. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I'm trying, right. to, I'm trying to find a picture of Catherine Zeta-Jones so I know who you're talking about. Oh, but you, you'll, Sophia you'll see. Vergara. Sophia Vergara. She was on the show with uh, the guy that used to be Al Bundy. Um, anyway, you'll see it. They're both, they're both smoking hot. actress. Let's see. Dave, what about Ver- Vergara. V-E-R-Gara. Wait, V-E-R? Vergara. Yep, Vergara. And you know what's interesting is that got it. Catherine Zeta-Jones and her are both kind of like curvy Spanish girls, and that's not even my type. I like thick, chubby white girls, blonde girls. So completely weird that that's my celebrity crush, but she's, uh, I don't know. What about you guys? You guys let me know. What do you guys like? Dave? Dave? All right. So um, Jennifer Gardner. So Electra was it for me. I was sold. And then uh, <laughs> a terrible movie. But hey, when you're a little kid, believe me, it was hot. And then uh, the other one was uh, Scarlett Johansson. Like mm-hmm. I remember when she wasn't even famous. And I was like, who is that? And um, because, yeah, like you're talking about like, I mean, athletic white women. That's what they both are. But it, Jennifer Garner has a weird, um, like pure about her, purity about her. I don't know what it is in an air. And then Scarlett Johansson is just Scarlett Johansson. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, the first that I can possibly remember, uh, was probably like, um, who was the person on friends? Uh, Jennifer. Jennifer yes. And, and, um, probably Jessica. Alba. Like, oh, yeah, Jessica was, Alba. What was that? The blue, the ocean's blue or something, whatever. In a bathing suit, I was like, "Oh wow, that's." Uh... <laughs> and, you know, I was I was homeschooled my whole life, K through twelve. So I was not in a classroom oh, until wow. I went to college, and I wasn't allowed to date or anything like that. So the perspective I have uh, on a lot of things might be a little bit just unique compared to people who had that experience of being in a classroom and stuff. You know. <laughs> when I when I thought about this question, uh, Jennifer Aniston did pop into my head. And I was thinking, I remember she was in a Maxim magazine. It was either Maxim or Playboy. I can't remember, but I I read that that article a lot. Uh, it was it was a good article for I like that magazine. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to take a cap off. Well, people don't a lot of people, if anyone who's listening who's younger, you know, I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't get internet till I was like, I don't know, 16 or something like that. So, I mean, magazines were the thing back in the day. You know, now you can <laughs> your iPhone, you can go on Reddit, anywhere. But back in the day, you had to use what you had. You know, whether you it's to like Carmen Electra and Pamela Anderson now. What was that? <laughs> I was like, are you leading to Carmen Electra and Pamela Anderson now when with the magazine drop? Because <laughs> back was, in the that day, was what you had. Wanted, and back in the day, if you wanted to like, if you wanted, you had to use like a magazine. You didn't because mm-hmm. we I didn't have a TV in my room or anything like that. You had to use like a magazine or something like that. But now you got like access to all sorts of porn and shit on your phone, like yeah, super fast. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad used to get Playboys and he would keep them in the top part of his drawer and he would have them stacked up. So I'd steal one of like the older versions, you know, like uh like four months back, so he wouldn't realize it. Um and <laughs> you know, Playboy was actually pretty, I mean, it was pretty tame, you know. I mean, they'd show like kind of side shots, kind of stuff like this. Remember, I went over to my buddy's house, and his dad had some magazine called We. It was like O U I, and it was like full on, like 
you know, you're seeing everything. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I didn't realize there was extra stuff going on over there, you know? <laughs> so it was interesting. What do you guys think of, because uh, you know how you hear on both sides of the thing, like jerking off before like lifting or, or like having sex before lifting or something, whether it's beneficial or not, or before, say, some type of event that you're doing. How, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Is that something that you think is a good thing? It's a bad thing? You have any data on that? So, so, that's a a tough question. Okay. So, I'll just tell you an experiment that I did in college. One, I was still a virgin, by the way. Um, So, there was no sexual interaction going on in my life. It was uh, just my hand. So, so I, I did an experiment, right? And I did it twice but the second round was like really short i was just curious to see how it affected performance essentially um so i was doing it to see like muscle gain and performance in the gym versus how many times you get off right the more that i the more frequent that i got off the more my performance increased okay and i did the hold your seed method two times one time was for like when you do it for a long time you don't like sex and i was not a virgin when i did this um it was uh, for four to five months the first time, maybe six months holding the seed. Oh, yeah. So I, I did it. I did it like for real. You don't even think like you literally don't think about sex. you like, there is a clear headedness that does come with it um, because you do lose like that natural alpha animalistic nature to you. I definitely realized that. But performance in the gym also went down every single time. And then I did that twice. Um, the second time was maybe like three months or something like that. And then, um, then I also did the getting your thing, off, getting yourself off again, another time. And it's, again, the trend was the more you get off, the more your performance increases. It does not reduce performance at all. I don't know if it's like your body, your testicle is basically upregulate to produce more luteinizing hormone or FSH or what it is to basically increase and increase the testosterone. I don't know if it's a physiological effect that happens to the brain, but all that I can tell you is the aggression in the gym increased, the performance in the gym increased every single time. That'll go against everything that you read online. But then I go to study under a urologist within the last like year, um, actually year and a half now. Um, and literally the body is meant to get off a male body as long as you're not taking testosterone, uh, which is why you need HCG. Um, but it is meant to get off every 48 hours. You basically tra- load the chamber and you're supposed to get off and load the chamber or else actually unhealthy for the testicles. Okay. So that's my long story. You guys were not expecting me to do an experiment with it, but I did. <laughs> no, I, I have a theory on that, but I want to hear test levels. What was, what is your thoughts on that? I mean, I've never done any experiments. I mean, I, to be honest, I don't scientifically, I don't know. Like when it, I would look at like evolution, like would a male, you know, would a male human, you know, Neanderthal be punished physically, you know, and endurance wise or strength wise for having sex with a female or getting off or some way, you know, like evolutionary, that wouldn't make sense to me. It would seem that if you're, you're doing your thing, you shouldn't, your body wouldn't be penalized for that evolutionary wise. I, I have a, I, just like anything, like, you know, if you do it um, over like a short period of time, you kind of get a glimpse but what what is the effect over say decades of time? And that was my thought process for like probably at least a decade and a half or two, where I was like, if I if I you know do it every day at least once per day uh, for a long enough period of time, it, like you were saying about like maybe it upregulates the expression to uh, or whatever in our pituitary to increase LH or FSH. 
And it was interesting. I got my FSH and LH levels checked um, last year. And LH is in the toilet, but FSH is like in the normal range. I have no idea. There's no data behind this. But that was my theory behind like it, as in like if you work out or continue on the health path, the long-term effects are really what are beneficial. Yes, you get to notice the short-term effects. But what happens if you just did that for a really, 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 really long period of time? And I did it for like a, uh, probably a decade and a half, pretty much once per day, sometimes twice a day, sometimes like, you know, more than that or whatever. But th- that seemed to be a, that was my theory that I had. No idea if that's like accurate or could be true because they don't do 10 year studies on things like that. <laughs> So I've got a question. This is interesting. So do your wives, girlfriends care if you do that specific act? Good question. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, my wife will leave and she'll come back and she'll be like, "Uh, yeah, uh uh-huh. Did that that happen? Not like accusatory. And I'll be like, yeah. And sometimes she gets a little annoyed in the fact that, like, I didn't save that for her. And I'm like, well, I mean. I have no guarantee that that's going to happen, and I'm on TRT, so I'm I've got the high <laughs> So I, my way is a guarantee. Your way is a is a you know a roll of the dice sometimes. So, you know that's with any relationship. You know you can't. Everyone's not going to want to do the same thing exactly the same time. But thoughts. I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts on like that topic in general. Um, I think that there's. I believe everybody has different stories to tell themselves, which then that makes up the reality uh, for how they perceive the world. Like if you have red glasses on, then everything you see is going to be red tinted. So when it comes to intimacy or sex for a male or a female, you have these ideas that they create in terms of stories that they tell themselves, whether it's myself or, or my girlfriend. And that will dictate how they respond to those. So for myself, I've been on like specifically in that realm, like very aware or cognizant of some of the things, the stories that I tell myself around that. The short answer is no, she doesn't give a shit. Uh, Or I'm like, hey, you want to help? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But no, she doesn't. But I think that aspect of like the stories that she said, like, is a conversation because I, I do that to myself is a conversation that we have together. So if there's something along those lines, you're just like, okay, well, if that's the story you're telling yourself. How, how does that play out in 10 years? When you tell yourself that you're like this type of thing, well, you know, say you're tired, say you don't want to do something, but like completely understandable. I don't want you to do something you don't want to do. But what happens if you, when you play that out over many, many periods of time, like game theory, right? You play that out over 10 years. What's the sequence of events when you start making excuses in this area of your life and that plays it out in other areas of your life? Before you know it, your intimate life sucks. And why do people get divorced? Because their intimate life sucks or their financial life sucks. Like, I have a good deal. You do whatever you fucking want. I'm not even slightly trying to make somebody feel bad at (laughs) all. But like, that's how it tends to play out because I've told myself stories. Like, hey, I don't want to look pussy. And then you're like, okay, well, you know that plays out. And then I just become less attractive. And it's just like, okay, cool. I don't even really want to be this person. Yeah. You know, a little, little bit more of a heady answer. But it, <laughs> so that's the, that's the thing we need to talk about more in life in general. Dave? Just yeah. So mine's a yes and a no kind of thing, right? Um, I think that there's like a mutual agreement that 
if you're doing it on a frequent basis, especially if you're doing it on a frequent basis, that's the really where the issue comes in. Yeah. It definitely desensitizes you. One, physically it desensitizes you 100% physically, at least for me. And I believe most people would agree with that. Um, it affects your nerves. It affects like one, you're only used to your hand. Um, so there are, there's a massive desensitization to it. And it takes away from the, um, the creativity that you would have almost like when you're a kid and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen next. If you only know one way, then that's always going to be the outcome and that's the outcome that you need. So that's really where it comes into play. And so it's kind of like a yes and a no for me. We're like, yeah. It's not going to like make or break and we're honest with each other. Um, it can improve as well, improve the sex life if you're not looking at like super staged stuff. Yeah. Um, but it could be like a partner activity kind of thing. It should be include a relationship should be inclusive. Now, I'm sure every once in a while we can all relate that we want to do it away from someone else. We just want our own space. That's kind of any aspect of life. But the, desensit the, the desensitization that happens from it is the biggest downfall to a relationship. And especially if that's your like you're talking about your expectation, that's your expectation. Then you're going to let yourself down. It's kind of like college humor. They would like be like. This is what you're expecting sex to look like. And then, but this is reality. And you're like getting a hamstring cramp, a ho Charlie horse and stuff <laughs> like that while you're trying to have intercourse. Actually, it's funny. So I never had that my entire life. And like, it was in part of college humor. Like I never had a bad sex life. My sex life was always great. Like I never had issues with it. Thank God. But one, and it was in recent history, maybe within the past year. And I literally got a Charlie horse in the middle of it. And <laughs> no joke. And I was like, like, you literally like, I had to like, roll away kind of thing. And I'm like, and now I get why the college humor thing came up. <laughs> First time you know, that's happened. What's what is interesting what I was gonna it was I was gonna say is that I think girls and guys look at this act in a different way. To where, at least for me, it's more of like, it's more utility. Like, I have a bunch of stuff going on. I've got 10 different tabs open on Chrome, and I've got this thing in my head, and I'm just trying to get it out of my head so I can focus on what I need to do. I actually saw Tony Huge actually posted that a lot of successful guys that he knows that live in Thailand, um, they go to those massage places, um, and they, they're not going there because they're like deviants or they can't get girls, but it's their time. So they go there for 20 minutes or 10 minutes, get what they need to get done taken care of and then are productive for the rest of the day instead of laser focusing on that and, and being distracted. I try, I mean, if you guys can just email my wife that and just confirm that so she'll believe me, but. <laughs> <laughs> because I, well, I think it goes both ways. So for me, I said I did for like 10 to 15 years, just over the last say five or so years, because then you're like, okay, when you go this direction, what are the long effects? Maybe your LH or FSH levels are more resilient to toxins or, or lifestyle choices or te testosterone and gear and shit, right? Because of what you've been doing. But then what are the other effects, as Dave was talking about, like on the impact in from like intimacy or sex, or sex standpoint? Because it's definitely desensitizes you like a hundred percent. And then like what you were just mentioning about, you know, you just want to get it done and over with. I think you're 100% right, which I've been, um, you have to be aware of that, right? Because she is seeing things completely differently than we are. Yeah. And and we're just like, let's get this done with. But then, <laughs> but then, but then I have to remind myself 
and have and have gotten way better at it to just recognize that the the, the story she's telling herself about what's enjoyable to her is completely different, and I have yeah. to relax and go with that. Because I know that's going to be something that's ultimately lead better for me in the end, in the long run. And it's and it's a, a subtle shift about like shifting from the the immediacy of happening to trying to look at it or looking at it from a, a longer term. Because I know that my success in the long run, years down the road, is better because that's the the way I'm trying to shift that mentally. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one big piece actually that you touched on is just women and men in general just perceive things differently and perception in the sex world for sure. It's very, very different because women need emotional and environmental connection so that they can detach from the environment around them, de-stress themselves, usually need more foreplay than like we don't really need much foreplay. Like if we're up, we're up. Like that's it, (laughs) period. Like we don't need anything else. But with a woman, it, it, you have to basically detach from them from the environment to get them out of their headspace so that they actually can get off. If you don't ever do that, if you don't ever get them in, out and out of their actual environment and put them in the environment with just you and that's it, and there's nothing else to think about, they'll never get off. Ever. Hey, questions for you, both of you guys, because you're both married. Where you, you just mentioned, oh, fuck, I just lost what I was going to say. You guys said we're talking about the getting your wife there or her there with you at the moment, right? Do you guys both notice at times where you're actually, you say maybe you're, you've been a little bit more aggressive, not in a negative way, but just like you're the one who's approaching it and you're the one who's like initiating, taking off or whatever the case is, that there tends to be more of a distance, not like you're still there, still doing it, still fun, still enjoyable, but there's a distance to where she is at mentally. Have you guys both noticed, do you guys notice that? It could be. I mean, so I mean, yeah. I guess. I mean, if you're if you're too forceful with it, or if, you know, if the girl is not not like forceful, I guess that's a really bad way to <laughs> word to use that. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well. All right. All right. Um, go ahead and start going over. What do you guys if think? you're if you're a little too like pushy about it and you know you you're getting this done you want it you know you want to do this and you're real pushy about it you know they're not the woman's not going to be really in the mood so if you do that too much then you may make them kind of resent that you know what's going on because they're kind of doing it just because you want to do it not because they're really into it at that time as well and there's a delicate balance it's a very delicate balance and that's why relationships are so hard yeah. So, um, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, it can be in li- literally in the middle of it. And then you realize that there's literally a energy disconnect. It's a literally like, you're literally, Oh, like, and then you're in your head and you're like, why am I actually doing this right now? And then you're like, actually, this isn't really enjoyable anymore. Like, and I I've had that happen before where it's just like, it's like, I'm sorry. Like I've literally apologized. Like, I'm sorry. Um, and it hasn't happened very frequently, right? You know, like it's give and take in relationships and it is walking that fine line, that happy balance world. Like, Hey, like I, I want my 15, 20 minutes and to get it, to get back to my day job, you know? Um, and then it's also like, okay, it's 15 to 20 minutes for the warm up. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I feel it. Yeah. But it's, it definitely happened. Um, because I feel like the most important thing is that energy transfer between two people anyways, because that's actually your spiritual being connecting. And at the end of the day, you have mind, body, and soul. And if you're connecting on a physical level, it's important, right? Like you have to have sexual attraction to each other. 
And then emotional connection, you have to have that also in place. And then what really intercourse is meant for or making love is different than, than having sex is that your souls are connecting. So it's the energy factor between the two. And that's really what is supposed to solidify is that trifecta in a relationship is the Holy Trinity. And there's a million Holy Trinities in this world, but that's one Holy Trinity that's there is the relationship. Interesting. Interesting. It's clearly obvious. Oh, sorry, Sam. I was going to say, I was going to, I wanted to come back to uh, libido. I see lots of guys talk about libido on TRT and they're like, I'm on TRT. My libido is not there. And I want to get to that, but I also want to hook people into listening more of the podcast. So we're going to do the first, what the hell is this podcast called? Too much test uh, speed lightning round. So real quick. So you can only do one chest exercise for the rest of your life. What is it? Incline dumbbell. Incline bench press. Incline dumbbell and incline bench press. Oh, incline Smith press. Okay. I like incline Smith. I would probably, I'm just going to go with old school bench press, just regular old bench press. So what about back? Uh, Hammer strength, uh, mid grip row. Oh, is that the one where it's kind of low and you pull it kind of up like this? Yeah, because you, you can you can position your body differently to like pull it for your lats. So I would use that because it could be like a multi pronged approach. I could use for like a pull, a vertical pull plus the horizontal pulls. I probably say that's my second favorite back movement. Actually, I love that movement. So um, let's do uh, bent over row. I mean, there's so many alterations about uh, barbell bent over row as long as you're having a good day. And if it didn't affect my back and wasn't too taxing, I would say I love deadlifts or rack pulls. But um, actually, rack pull, number one, done. Okay. What about you? I kind of look, I don't even know what it's called, but the freaking machine where you sit on it and it's got the cable and you can put lots of different attachments on it. Probably, I guess you'd consider it a low row. I kind of like that. Or, well, I can't do two. I can't do two. Okay. Caroline from the live pull downs. Pull downs, yeah. shoulders. I could do. I would do dumbbells. I would just do dumbbell ladder raises. I'll do those all day. I can make my shit burn. I can make my shit burn and you know drop sets. You can. That's so versatile. Dumbbell ladder raises, hundred percent. Dumbbell lateral raises done yep. like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I may have to go with the machine or military press. That would be there for me. I like the machine, but. That's just me. The dumbbells, dumbbells tear up my shoulders. I don't know what it is about them specifically, but I kind of need something to lock in my shoulders when I do them. By the way, um, for everybody who's listening, Tusker Levels is wearing a tank top and is looking brolic today. What's up, brother? <laughs> I think this is the first time that you guys have wore t-shirts, and this is the second time that I've worn a tank top. And the, the funny thing is, is that the only reason I'm really wearing this is I'm going to the gym after this. So. Oh. So because I've got I've got so much stuff going on that I'm only gonna be able to go to the gym four days a week if I go tonight and if I go Thursday at like seven thirty. So I just I don't want to miss days, man. Yes. Did you have any other questions on that list? I'll save some for the next time. We hit some big ones. Okay. Guess so back and delts. Why don't we why don't we pull um questions that we've been asked on the live feed really fast? So this is a first for us as well. So we can pull some of the questions that I've been asked in the live feed. Um, do you want me to ask the first one? Yeah. Go for it. All right. Will your balls explode if you have too much test? <laughs> if you eject it into your balls. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not. Have you guys ever thought about doing that? What? You guys have never done that before? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I'm actually genuinely 
curious what the results would be. Well, if, like, into the actual the sack, or you're talking about like full on? Yeah, dude, they're into the balls. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm curious. I don't know what it would be like. I don't know if I would want to test it myself personally, but if anybody who's listening does test it, that, that reminds me of the Liver King guy that talks about eating testicles and then he doesn't take steroids. <laughs> it's been going viral. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's trend. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so what? Um, what? And if you guys are listening, like to ask questions, we're gonna work at going live at least on one platform every week, so people can ask questions. What? What's the next question? Um, the next question is: uh, Can you share some of your favorite resources for learning about PEDs and enhancement as a group? So that's go ahead, somebody first. So, I mean, let me, I can just spit off some really good resources. So there's actually a website that's called steroidal.com and it gives you all the steroid profiles and the history of it. Now it's not entirely all accurate, but it is relatively accurate. Now I think that they're saying as enhancement as a group would be a collection of steroids together. Now the issue with that is you're going to have very, have a very hard time finding a conglomerate of research combining different drugs together because they're one-off studies. They study a drug in particular. So you're not going to find any medical research where they're combining things together. Now, the mm-hmm. other resource, the other there's um Evil Genius, who's brilliant. Um, I forgot his name off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. He's maybe the best. And then the other one would be Victor uh, Black is another good resource that is available um, and they have online courses to a degree, I believe. And those are like the two best um, forward thinking and new experimental things that are going on. Um, But honestly, it's all the same regurgitated information from back in the day and they're just redoing the information in their own format uh, from what I've seen at least. So so let me ask this same question, but in a different way for a test level. So where, and then Dave too, where do you specifically turn to to find TRT or, or, or PEDS type of uh, information and, and look into that that kind of stuff? Where do you, like, personally, like, where do you find? Because that's probably going to be, um, that way they get to understand how we actually go through and look for the information or what sparks it to, like, find in the information. And so for me, it's not one single source, more or less. I mean, I mean, there's a couple of different sources that I listen to. I mean, I listen to, I watch Anabolic Doc because I find it interesting, some of the stuff that he does and some of his case studies and stuff like that. Um, but for the majority, I mean, if I'm interested in a topic, I just type it into Google and just I just click down the links and, and pick up different pieces of information from different spots um, and then, you know, apply my own, you know, thought process and, you know, opinion on it. Um, but you know, I'll end up from like WebMD and then I'll end up back on YouTube, you know, watching, you know, different stuff. So that's kind of what the, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't look for one specific place. that's going to have every answer for stuff that you're looking for on TRT, except for my YouTube channel, of course, but <laughs> shameless plug, down, don't, don't even go there. Right? No, <laughs> horrible. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say Google, that'd be my answer. Google. Dave, Dave where do you, where do you, where, where like, do you go for the information when you're looking for stuff? All right. So I'm just going to say Google. Now, the issue with it is, is every resource that is really good out there has some type of wrong information that I've seen. Every single source out there. Um, I've seen some of the smartest people on the face of the planet with anabolic steroids misspeak on growth hormone. I have seen some of the smartest people on the planet 
that are really good at the growth hormone misspeak on anabolics. I've seen really good people with medical and functional health misspeak on a drug, like major misspeak on a drug in particular. Like, why would you actually take that approach if you could just reduce the drugs and not get side effects kind of thing? Um, so that I challenge people to not ask for a resource. And I get asked, what are the best books to read if you want to become a good coach? Relative experience. And then when you come into issues, you use Google and you research and research and research. And back in the day, there was no good YouTube station out there. There were no good forums out there. You had to use relative research and relative experience to decipher and decipher and create your own theories to piece things together. And then I learned the endocrine system literally from a from a pharmacology standpoint, a one-off basis on a drug. And then I would find a big word that I'm like, what the heck does that actually do? Maybe it was um shoot, aromatase, right? What does aromatase do, right? Like something simple as that. If you don't know the endocrine system, you don't know what that does. So then you have to dive into it. So I would go on a one-by-one word basis when I'd be reading a research article and I would dive into that word and I'd figure out what the word means and what it actually does. This way I understand the processes that all tie in together because this is systems when you're talking about stuff. It's not drugs, it's biology combined with pharmacology. Um, so that's my challenge is I'm not even going to give a good resource. I gave some good resources, um, because I don't believe in a resource in particular. Okay. So I think what you guys are both saying from, so I have like, you guys know what a mosaic is, right? A, a painting or some, some piece of art, we'll call it that is made up of a tiny bit of small pieces of art. Right. And that's actually how I think about research, say for Tesla, right? You guys know I like Tesla and invest in Tesla I trade options. And I own one. So how I think about Tesla is as a mosaic. Now the, there's a little bit of information that I get from their financial statements. There's a little bit of information that I get specifically from the company press releases. Uh, I listen to the earnings calls. I, I, I pay attention, not really to like the actual articles, but some of the headlines of what mainstream media says, because a lot of that's just trash. They don't know what they're talking about. But then I also listen to say analysts or I'm calling them analysts, but basically they're small YouTubers and they're basically analyzing news events that come out. So I get to see different perspectives on it. And then I also talk to people who own vehicles, right? And this is giving me all those tiny little pieces in a mosaic that paints the picture of what Tesla is. Cause you're like, I'm on YouTube, then I'm, I'm on WebMD and then I'm over here. And then Dave, you're saying the same thing. So if you're, if you're taking like, what's the best resource for pets, I think it's, Using the framework of, hey, this is a big picture of testosterone, of anadrol, of whatever it is that you're interested in. But then thinking about getting information from multiple sources, because David just mentioned, and I've seen it too, I'm sure you have too, where you go to a source for this type of information because it seems accurate or the perspective is different. And then you they talk about something that you know a lot about and you're like, oh, they don't know what they're talking about in relation to that piece. So paint that mosaic. Uh, for yourself, which is going to be slightly different than everybody else's mosaic, but being able to distinguish that from 17 different angles is what's going to allow you to paint a more accurate, accurate picture. So well, imagine, after- I was going to say real quick, just imagine if you took two twin babies and you put them in two different houses, one baby that only was able, allowed to watch Fox News, the other one was only allowed to watch CNN. Get, check out those babies in 18 years, and they're probably going to be two completely different people. I'm not saying for better or for worse. We're not trying to get political, but I'm just saying 
you know, imagine if you were fed and that's kind of, you know, if you got all your resource from just one place, you may have a different viewpoint than if you see the alternating and opposing views of it. So Sam, I like that one, but Sam, I had a question for you. Since Elon Musk decided to open his mouth again and the stock dropped by 5.6% in literally one day because he's not making the deal with Hertz right now, did you decide to pick up more stock? So that so when what happens, I trade a lot of options. So what happens is the there's like the very myopic, which which is like things that that are news related but have no effect in the company but those opportunities the sentiment in the market you can think of as like evenly split so like say it's eleven hundred dollars a share and you have like even positive and negative uh events or news coming out around the, the stock that's why i listen to a tiny bit of mainstream media from a financial perspective just to see what they're saying about that because they'll drive stock prices for people who don't know what they're doing Right, those those people who don't know what they're doing just listen to mainstream media. They don't actually understand. So what happens is now they shift the sentiment to below the market, and when people shift to below the market, premium prices for options on puts, which is what I primarily do, is option puts go up. So I will sell you something at an inflated price because people don't understand what is actually taking place. All that, <laughs> and so that's what I did. I opened a position in um, Tesla today, actually, uh, put, nice. put position. Yes. <laughs> so jumping back to the libido thing, like I see this a lot in so many of the TRT forums. Uh, you know, I'm on TRT. And I, my libido is just not there. My libido is not there. What do you guys think? And I, I kind of want to touch on some things or some thoughts that you guys may have on how to raise your libido, but also want to touch on are people's expectations of being on TRT way too high in regards to libido? Sure. So go, go ahead. Okay. So I one, I think it depends on where your lab work was. If you were completely hypogonadism, I think TRT will definitely improve your sex life. Even if it jacks up your other hormones, if it increases your testosterone and your testosterone is at like below 200 or something like that, or right around 200, it should improve it no matter what. Um, you may still have erectile dysfunction from previous damage and how long it happened. I don't know. Um, and then the other piece is, is, libido the other the part of the question was will it increase your libido um sometimes it can reduce libido if you aromatize heavily guess what it's going to reduce your libido because your estrogen is going to get too high if your progesterone gets too high and you just produce more prolactin guess what your your sex drive is going to go down it's going to desensitize your penis um if you get things too low by overcompensating with drugs your libido is going to go down if you're stressed in life, guess what? Your libido is going to be trash just like it was without testosterone. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I, I it's interesting because, I mean, A, everyone's so different. Like, my, my estrogen usually comes back like 72, 73, and my libido is, is strong. Um, I just, I mean, I just wonder, I mean, do people expect, do they see all these other people saying their libido is super good and they have an overinflated expected expectation of libido? I mean, not to mention environmental factors, but do you think that a lot of these guys that are saying this, do you think that they're just like, they're just expecting to just want to fuck all the time and they're just, they see women and just like have to have them? I think, I think that there, there's a point when, remember when we're, teenagers and like every morning or multiple times through the night you'd wake up in your fucking heart right where yeah. for 
a lot of dudes who are TRT, because we have a at least for me, I'm more of like you know the bodybuilding perspective, and then you also have TRT, and that kind of like interchanges in my mind sometimes. So sometimes I don't distinguish between the two of them. But like if you look at like the people who have low testosterone, generally speaking, they're not getting hard in the middle of the night or waking up with boner, and and then like they get on TRT, even if it's you know a moderate dose, like you know 150 milligrams or something. Um, they're like oh shit i woke up with a fucking heart on this morning and that's like that's like holy shit and that's like an increase in libido for them because it's just like something that hasn't happened to them in a very very long period of time i take uh i take b6 uh every day like generally speaking 200 to 400 milligrams because of the positive effects it has on prolactin like as you were just talking about they, they did a study with prolactin versus cabergoline uh, they did 300 milligrams per day of um, B6, vitamin B6, and then they did cabergoline at 0.5, either micrograms or milligrams. I think it's micrograms. Milligrams, milligrams, milligrams. Uh, 0.5 milligrams per day. Uh, and I think the half life of that is like five days or something. And yeah. over the period of time, uh, it was a relatively short study, but several weeks worth, they, the drop in prolactin was about the same. Cabergoline was slightly more. Uh, but they were very, very, very close. Like the numbers, they didn't test them statistically to see if they were, the two numbers were different, but relative to baseline, they were both down by about 50%. And so I was like, okay, no more caber rolling. That's pharmaceutical. I will just literally add in B6. And I've been doing that ever since. And it's like, you can add in something healthy like that, or you can have in caber rolling or cranberry or something like that to like take care of those issues that could arise because of other things that you're doing drug-wise. Super interesting. I'm you going to start taking B6, Scott. What was that? I was, I was just going to... I'll ask quick. I was just say, do you think that raise your libido after the two awkward pauses? <laughs> um, so at this point, I think I'm at some type of satiation level, and I don't think I've noticed a difference. Initially, yes. And then... Sometimes, a lot of times I take it twice a day. I take it in the morning and then at night. And they're like, they did a split dose in the study. So they said they gave it multiple times throughout the day. They didn't say specifically how they split it up. But I, I took that to me as like 100 milligrams morning, afternoon, and evening. So I like to take 300. Sometimes I take 400 milligrams. And I do tend to notice it. If I take 400 milligrams for multiple days in a row, I do notice that. Or I... It, maybe it's just a placebo because other shit is going on in my life or like whatever, but I tend to notice that I'm getting hard in the morning more frequently when I do 400 milligrams of uh, B6. Interesting. Yeah, so I'm going to try the B6 because I do say I'm caber going. I do have prolactin issues. Even when I was like 100% natural, no TRT in my system, like I always had like <clears throat> puffiness in the nipples, uh, no gynecomastia, just puffiness in the nipples. And, um, yeah, I de definitely think that trying out B6 is definitely the move. Um, but I will tell you, if you take cabergoline at nighttime and it knocks down your prolactin levels, you will wake up with a raging erection. I promise you. Oh, that's interesting because that's what I was – I just noticed that with the 400 milligrams like a week ago or over the last two weeks. Like There was a couple of days I was like, let me try 400 just to see if I notice any type of response. That's interesting you mentioned that. that I'm going to do that. I'm going to work towards 400 more regularly or at least huh. once or twice a week. You know, it's also interesting is a lot of guys, they they attribute morning wood. Like I've seen a lot of posts with this more TRT based, but 
you know, haven't really been getting morning wood every day lately. You know, what's going on? Do I need to take an AI? Do I need to up my dose? Do I need to do this? And I think guys need to understand, like, you don't, a, morning wood can be a good indicator of testosterone levels of kind of libido showing that kind of your you know circulatory system's good but it's not a guarantee that you wake up every single morning just rock hard you know smacking it against the headboard uh sometimes it doesn't happen so don't get too stressed out guys yeah That's- i'm just gonna add to that um me personally i have woken up with morning wood i can count uh, on probably like one hand max two hands my entire lifetime um so i just don't get it i've never had and i don't have erectile issues ever like i'm quite the opposite in fact um, i was actually worried to take cialis because of my erection issue like i was so good with my erection issues but i wanted to take something to protect my prostate over time which was my go-to was cialis that's interesting uh what a- Tester levels, do you, do, do you, or did you have that happen when you were younger? Um, or do you, yeah, have yeah, I did have it happen. You know but what? Dave, you did not. You're talking you about, like, oh, throughout my lifetime, literally, like I can count on two hands max how many times. Wow, that's interesting. But you, uh, Tester, you, it happened regularly when you're younger, maybe not as quite as regularly today. It, no, it's been pretty regular my entire life, to be honest, even when I had low testosterone. Ah, interesting. What? But that just highlights how completely, like, we're all the same, but at the same time, we're so different in how shit affects us. It's very, yeah. very interesting. Do you want to know if you, you're good at working out in the morning? If you wake up and you're ready to have sex in the morning, you can be a good trainer in the morning. You can train well in the morning. And that's literally a physiological thing. If you wake up and you're alert, guess what? You're good at for training in the morning. And guess what? Your testosterone levels. Who cares what they're at in the morning? Who cares what they're at later on in the day? In theory, your testosterone levels, if you're natural, peak part, like a few hours after wake up. And that's to do with cortisol. You, so your, your cortisol levels raise. But maybe someone wakes up and they're very alert, so their cortisol levels elevate quicker. That's just their body's natural rhythm. So um, there was actually an Olympic-level coach that actually taught that. So. That's interesting. <laughs> this is so, a random topic. Have you guys ever heard of Trimix? No, what's that? You guys are going to hate me for bringing this up. So Trimix is a combination of a lot of vasodilators and it is used. uh, You inject it into kind of the the side base of the penis uh, for erections. Yeah, I know. I know exactly what it is. Um, Actually, the first time I heard about it, um, someone had to do, and it's actually for medical purposes. Like when you go into like see a urologist, if they have to do work on you or something like that, or look down there, um, they basically do the injection for you. I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it's trickled into the porn industry at like big time. Like that's what the, all the porn stars use is that now. Yeah. Yeah. You basically, there's multiple different kinds of it. There's like bimix, there's super bimix, there's trimix, quad mix. Um, it's, so there's one of the main ones called like perverine or something. Maybe, maybe that <laughs> I, I honestly didn't really try to make that joke, but I, something like that. Um, but then they also have basically the antidote for it. So if you get, what is it? Priapism where your, you, your erection lasts more than four hours, way too long, which a lot of guys don't realize that can really damage your penis. Um, so they have, I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically, I was reading up on this just for shits and giggles, but the antidote you can inject I can't remember how much the volume was, but it was every three to five minutes until up to an hour until the penis goes, goes flaccid. So I told my wife, I was talking to her about the Trimix and the antidote. And I was like, could you imagine doing like, what is that? 
20 injections, you know, in an hour to your penis of this stuff. And I was like, that's crazy. I think what would be interesting is an actual like case study. Like you should try that sometime and see how effective, like the, the, the micro dose, do like, like a micro dose, the trimix. And see oh, oh, that oh I thought you were talking about like the full no, on like, process oh, with the antidote. Oh, uh, of, of the trimix <laughs> to see how, how effective it is. Cause there's there's the like the sex stack right and you can do you know kerygolin or b6 and you can do something potentially for estrogen if you need that controlled and you can do something that affects your central nervous system like the pt141 and like cialis or viagra or something like the machinery right like so you can hit it from so many different angles it's definitely interesting topic wow so um tmi but when i'm lost from virginia was for over four hours and i thought it was normal by the way um, and then B, if I have an erection for over four hours, I'm calling my friends first, not the doctor. <laughs> calling your friend? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah bro. <laughs> uh, you guys have you guys ever heard of melanotan and, and PT-141, right? So, uh, I've, I've researched it multiple times. It's, it's good. It's, it's way too much nausea for me. We're like fucking up my stomach. So I don't like to use it, the PT, but I just got melanotan. So I'm going to test that out. But when there's a case uh, study where the guy injected 10 times the amount that he was supposed to inject because he didn't realize when you're reconstituting something and he got the reconstitution marks where he injected 10 times the amount of what it was. And I don't remember if it was PT or if it was melanotan. And he had an erection for so long that he had to go to the hospital and they did some type of like surgery or something because of his erection wouldn't go down. Oh man, you imagine going into a hospital? What's your, well, my cock is hard. Well, that doesn't seem like an issue. Well, it's been hard for eight hours at this point. <laughs> Was it like purple when he walked in there? Like, could you imagine? They have to like drain, they have to inject something in there or do something and then drain like blood out of there or something like that. I don't know. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I was, I was listening to this podcast. Um, it's called TRT Community. Um, and they, it was something recently with HCG. That's why I was listening to it because they had this guy from one of the TRT clinics and he was talking about having to do that drain thing. And he was like, you won't imagine the amount of towels you have to get. And the patient will be like, why are you getting so many towels? And he's like, you would not re- re- believe really how much it bleeds. And I was like, we got to think. I mean, that 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 blood is trapped in there. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I think everyone stopped listening at this point. No one wants to hear. Yeah. About, you know. Um, okay. I, this is interesting. We'll switch topics. I don't want to talk about hurting penises anymore. That's so acne. What have you guys? Do you guys have any tips on you know minimizing acne, getting rid of acne? I mean, we're all either on gear or TRT. So I, I mean, I get for me like I have some acne. Like this, uh, I can't even really see it, but I'll get randomly, like for like two weeks, I'll just get like those big cystic ones that you can't pop and they just stay there. And then I don't get them for like six months and I just get a couple here and there that aren't crazy. It's completely random. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, the only time I ever get them is hygiene related, like driving for fucking 24 hours and not showering. Um, I got like a couple in my back. But other than that, like I don't, I think, I think a lot of it is people always think it's the gear. But I think a lot of people's hygiene is like as good as it could be. And in all honesty, like I'm sitting here doing this podcast and I'm literally sweating. Like when I'm done with this, I'm going to go shower. But I've been also sitting in this chair before doing work before I got on here. And I was also sweating then. And <laughs> like, it just got, I live in Florida. And even though the, the trend, the, <laughs> <laughs> 
the AC is on. I'm still sweating. But I think the, the, the hygiene thing is, is a big factor it, that nobody talks about. They're like, okay, Accutane or like other stuff, but hygiene and water are like the two go-tos for myself. Yeah, so I'd agree with that. Now, um, I don't really have acne issues. Now, I took Accutane twice when I was younger. Once I had, I had to stop it the first time because I broke my leg. Or No, I didn't bre- I've never broken my leg. I broke a bone. And I needed it for it to heal. And it, it slows down your recovery time so much when you're on Accutane. Uh, because, and it dries you out. Like, your recovery time goes to shit when you're on Accutane. And the second time, like, I went around. I went back on it. And then I had, like, a rage issue. You want to talk about roid rage? The only time I've ever had roid rage is on Accutane. And then, like, I put a hole in a cement wall. It felt, my foot went right through it. And, like, I didn't even feel it. I just went, boosh, like, straight through it. And I'm like... Yeah. I was like, I went up, walked upstairs. It was in my house. I walked upstairs and I just like, I was like, I'm done with this. Threw it out. And then I walked back upstairs and went to sleep because I was like, I, I was so agitated that I couldn't handle myself. So, um, one don't Accutane sucks. Like it's really, really uncomfortable. The amount of emotional effects that come with it and the recovery effects. And then, um, but I never had acne ever since then. But when I was a kid, I had really, really bad cystic, like painful cystic acne. Uh, but ever since I've been taking gear and stuff like that, I haven't had anything. So I think one, it's a hygiene issue. Like I wash my face a lot. I wash my hands a lot. So if you touch your face frequently as a nervous habit, which is very common for people, you wash your hands, wash your face frequently. Um, just even just like regular, like I wouldn't do like dish soap, but I just regular soap. Um, and then if you need to, dish soap works for some people. Now, a few things that are topicals that do help with my clients uh, that have bad cystic acne. Um, when, one, women are going to be put on spirolactone if they think it's hormonal. Um, you don't need to take spirolactone. Um, and I would always try topical first. So in order of reference range from what I would prescribe first is Ninzerol AD helps with hair shedding, but it also has anti-androgenic effects and it also opens up the pores. So they don't, so yeast doesn't get trapped in those pores. And that's really where it benefits if it's a DHT related issue. So you can put that on your skin. Um, that's one thing. RU58841, I probably butchered that number. No, that's, uh, right. that's another, that's another anti-androgen. The only issue is you have to be very, very cautious that you do not go over one milliliter. Um, that's another anti-androgen. Um, another non-anti-androgen, non-drug is going to be um, African black soap. And then the other one that I do like is, if it comes down to it, is super dosing vitamin A. Um, vitamin A has been proven time and time again, where and it starts with an R. Um, they act, it's like a medical terminology of the, the, the vitamin um, when you're taking in super dosed amounts. But <clears throat> it's a... Uh, 400,000 IU for women and 500,000 for men for three months. And it kills it. It basically kills off the acne. And so if I remember correctly, Accutane may be vitamin A. I'm not a hundred percent sure that. That's what I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Four, 400,000. What is that an entire bottle per day? No, let, let me pull up. See, I was actually, I just had to put a client super on concentrated. It. But it's yeah, yeah. was always kind of sketchy for me, just from the way it is. It always seems sketchy, like couldn't go out in the sun. I remember my brother took it for, for a while. And he, I don't remember. I don't know if he had side effects or not. I was right. out partying, but see, this is why we, this is why we're going live in uh chat is uh retinol. Yes. That's the name for it. Thank you. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah, the only thing that I've really heard that, that, and I've really tried was using head and shoulders shampoo to wash the area. I guess it has some kind of, it's like pyronic or pyothonic zinc or something in it. Um, and that's supposed to help. So what I would do is I would 
I got a, a brush, you know, from Publix or something like that. And I'd put a squirt on there, mix it around, and I'd scrub my back, chest, and all that. And I would let it sit for like a few minutes and then, you know, finish up my shower and go along. And it it helps, I think, but not, it's not like, it's not life-changing, you know. It's just over time, you it, you get a little bit less acne. So Ninzerol is the same concept that you just named, where it's an anti-dandruff shampoo. The active ingredient is anti-dandruff. They basically are anti-inflammatory anti-inflammatories for the skin. Interesting. When you, when you, uh, uh, when you put the hole in the cement, were you actually taking trend at the same time? That was the only question I had. Oh, wait, what? When you put the hole in the cement, when you were taking Accutane, were you also taking trend at the same time? <laughs> I was a 17 year old, 135 pound soccer player. There was no trend involved. <laughs> 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 Something that's uh, completely TMI, but because Dave's been sharing so many TMIs, I figured it was appropriate for me to share one too. Uh, for since I was about 17, 18 years old, I have primarily showered with no soap. I've been doing this for a couple of decades. The same idea as doing something over decades of time that if you want to. You know, soap is helpful, right, from a lot of people's points of view, but you kill bacteria on your skin, which is helpful bacteria, as well as without realizing it, there is trans transdermal effects in terms of you're actually absorbing some of the chemicals and things that you put on your body. Even if it's a trace amount, it doesn't matter when you do that twice a day for four, five, six fucking decades, of this, of having this on your skin. So at that point in my life, I decided to not. Um, so I still like use a little bit of soap, say on my crotch every once in a while. But other than that, and and it's been almost two decades at this point um, of of doing that. I just don't see, and I'm just use a washcloth for like uh, exfoliation type stuff. But I don't use any tiny types. I and mean, I know people can get like natural soaps, but I don't. I just don't see any need or desire to do that. Yeah, everything in my house, including the uh, cleaning ingredients, is all natural. Actually, because of my wife, uh, she creates the own like the cleaner. So, like if it's uh, she does bacteria, uh, I think it's uh, baking soda and vinegar to clean the sink and stuff like that. Um, we use like all natural soaps. And to be honest, they, I think they clean better and they smell just as good. Um, the only chemicals that I are things that I like literally put in my body <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, guys, we have covered, we've covered rubbing it out. We've covered staying too hard for too long. We've covered draining it. We're very focused on the penis this show for some whatever reason. I don't know what it is, um, but we're going to wrap it up, guys. We're going to try to do three episodes this month, so we're going to keep them to an hour. What's up, this, Mr. Sam? Uh, last thing, uh, I wanted to just very quickly, 30 seconds, um, what have you done to make progress on your objective of adding uh, some muscle and dropping some fat uh, test levels? Cardio. I'm doing cardio and I'm going to the gym right after this so that I can just keep going four days a week and eating low carb. Awesome. Dave, 30 seconds or less. What are you doing? You, were, you said you're working on your progress to recovery and then you're going to start to prepare potentially some body parts and add some size to do a show. What progress have you made on that? Well, I made progress business-wise as far as like taking on clientele because I, I hindered, I stopped that for a second. And then, um, Honestly, just resting my body. I'm still healing. Actually, I think uh, a micro tear in my groin, my left groin. I pulled it when I was squatting uh, 
three weeks ago and I thought it was a pull and I think it's actually a micro tear. So I'm working on healing that up. So the downtime is really good for me. So I'm just resting and re-energizing and ready to hit it. Oh yeah. Okay. Go ahead and wrap it up. If you guys uh, like this show, make sure you leave a review, right? That's what you do on podcasts. Leave a review. It's super helpful and helps us in the rankings. Appreciate you guys time. Thanks everybody for uh, listening.